What is up, everybody? And welcome to the Joe Kilgallen Podcast, a.k.a. Kilgallen's Pub. I'm your host, Joe Kilgallen. Duh. All right. I'm in a good mood. I had a great weekend. I hope you had a great weekend. And as always, I like to start off with a little gratitude. Big shout out to all the listeners out there. I've been feeling your support. I've been feeling the love. And it's great. And I love you guys, especially you Patreon subscribers. You, you too, listening, can be a Patreon subscriber for as little as three bucks a month. And you will get an extra podcast episode like the one I did last week in which I named my top five SNL movies. Those are movies based off of Saturday Night Live sketches. I'm about to do another one. So I got another bonus episode coming your way. And it's fun. We'll get a little more interactive. You guys can ask me questions, talk. There's a lot of cool stuff. Just check out the Patreon. Uh, now that I got that little ad out of the way, I want to talk about this embarrassing thing that I did twice over the last few days. Uh, was I drinking when it happened? Yes, but I wasn't drunk. This is embarrassing. A man of my age in his, I hate to admit it, but now in my, my late thirties, uh, I'll tell you I'm 37. So I feel like maybe I could say mid thirties. I could pass for mid thirties, but then if someone's like, well, mid are you 35? I'm like, no. Oh, so you're 36. No, I'm 37. They might be like, that's late thirties, bro. And I might be like, you know what? Can you let me hold on to some shit? Maybe. Maybe I'm not ready to admit that I'm almost going to die because that's how it works. You're in your late 30s and then you're dead. No, I'm kidding. I'm not. That's a grim way to look at things. I apologize for that. But I did an embarrassing thing twice, which is just like fool me once and all that kind of stuff, right? As I was peeing, I was at the Cubs game today. I think I was a little too excited to get back to the action because I pride myself in not missing sporting events from there. And I'm, I'm very good at beating crowds, you know, and there was a play that was under review during the Cubs Brewers game today. And I knew that it was going to take a minute. And I also know that there is radio broadcast in the bathroom. So when you're in the men's room, you could hear the radio broadcast. So you don't really miss anything. And there's TVs in the concourse. So I go, I book it. And when I see a crowd of people, I'm like a running back. I hit the hole. I see a little gap opening up. I go, bam, I'm going to hit right through there. You know what I mean? If I got to knock someone over along the way, I'm calculated about it. I think to myself, this person could bounce back. Or I look at him, I'm like, is this person going to start a fight? Can I take this person? I, I do a lot of math in my brain as I'm hitting the hole. And I get to that men's room quick. I'm already halfway unzipped before I even fully enter. See, I'm saving time as I go. Penis is out while I'm in the room. I don't, I'm not breaking laws and having the dick out on the concourse. You take your dick out on the concourse of, at a major league baseball stadium or pretty much any stadium for that matter, you're going to find yourself in trouble. So don't endorse. I get in there, do my thing, pin, right? And got a good stream going. You know, it felt healthy. It felt like, you know what? All these steps. Because by the way, I've been killing it on the steps. I wear a Fitbit now. I got motivated. I've hit 10,000 steps at least fucking seven days in a row. And did I have to say the F word just then? I did, because that's how much passion is behind these steps I've been taking. So I'm peeing. And here's the mistake I made. And this might be for men more. I don't know if women have had this. Maybe you have. People with a penis, you've done this. Uh, you think you're fully done peeing, but you're really not. And you, 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 you put the dick away, but then you, you sprinkle a little bit down your pants. Not enough where people are going to look at your pants because I was wearing dark blue jeans. But not enough where even if I was wearing not dark blue jeans, I don't think they would see it because it's a sprinkle. They wouldn't be like, oh, let's do a piss pants. Ah, It's not one of those things. It's not like one of those mishaps where you're like, you know, you ever have that in grade school where there's like, oh, they could definitely see there's pee on my pants. And you think I got to keep the book over it the rest of the day. 
And then that makes all your dude friends be like, ah, someone's covering a boner. And you're like, no, I'm covering piss. And then they go, oh, you peed your pants. And you're like, can you guys just be real friends for one time? Okay. One time, don't be assholes, you know, but they're your friends and that's just how it rolls. And you do it to them. You do it to them. And when I did that, but I've done this twice now, that's twice this week. And the one was bad. Every now and then you get a couple drops and you're like, ah, happens. But this one, it went down the thigh because I was wearing like loose boxers. When you have boxer briefs on, it contains it, you know, to one area. But when you're wearing boxers, that that sprinkle, it went down thighs. I mean, I felt the drop on the ankle as I'm as I'm sprinting back to my seat in time for the umpire to announce that the batter or that the, the call stands and that the runner was out, which on the replay looked like he was safe. We were very angry. There was a lot of yelling. And that was good because it distracted people from looking down at my junk and seeing maybe some sprinkle on the pants. But I, I was double checking. I was good. I was covered. I was covered. You know, that's, that's why dark blue jeans are key. You know, if you're a little, if you're a little wild with your pee, like me, sometimes get yourself some dark blue jeans, you feel a lot better, but it was embarrassing. I remember thinking as I was jogging back, I'm like, again, again, you've done this. It's like, you know, cause I've got two young boys and the next time they pee on the toilet seat or get some on the floor or pee their pants, I don't have a leg to stand on. I can't, I don't, I, I, I don't have a dick to piss out of. I do actually, but like, you know, I thought there was something funny there, but it really wasn't. But I, I really, what am I going to say? Come on, get it together. I'm yelling at them and they're going to be dead. We listen to your podcast. We heard the story about you sprinkling piss on your legs. All right. So don't, don't come at us with your pee thighs and, and, and give us a hard time for getting some on the seat. Okay. We're young. We have an excuse. You are 57 years old. What are you doing? You know what I mean? So I, I don't want that kind of argument with my kids. It's, it's a thing, you know? So that's, that's something embarrassing that I wanted to share with you guys. See, I could be vulnerable on this podcast, as you know. It was a great weekend, though. Baseball's my favorite sport. It's back. And I think I told you guys on the podcast. Did I tell you guys? Maybe I didn't. I love baseball season. I look at it like opening day is like a Christmas to me. I don't always go on opening day. And I'll get to some opening day festivities in a second. But what I like to do is I like to get pumped up by watching baseball movies. I do this with a lot of holidays, though. You know, Christmas coming right after Thanksgiving, you start popping at Home Alone and Elf and some fun movies like that. Christmas Vacation, Christmas Story. I do the same with like St. Patrick's Day. I watch like Irish movies. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, it's the one that departed. Let's watch, you know, anything with Liam Neeson punching someone. Let's, you know, you like to watch some of those flicks. I do it with baseball, Sandlot, Moneyball, Major League, Bull Durham, all great movies. Feel the dreams hits harder this year. So I feel like I told you guys in the last podcast this, so my mistake. But I also came across a documentary about Babe Ruth. And I didn't know when it came out. I was on HBO Max. I was looking for more baseball movies to watch. And I came across this Babe Ruth documentary. I remember thinking, well, is this recent? When when did this come out? Came out in 1998, but it was still a damn good documentary. And it talked about the life of Babe Ruth. And it made you, and that guy was cooler than cool. He really was. Someone said in the beginning, they go, if you would have written him and said, oh, I created this character named Babe Ruth, it'd almost be like, this is too much. Like you wouldn't believe this was a real human being. It really is crazy that he was a real person. This guy who died, like the right place, right time, right part of history, everything about it. Just the sport of baseball was just starting to become really like popular. And then he made it the most popular thing in the world. He really is such an icon. That's why I hate when every now and then I'll see tweets from like sports fans and, and people who are like baseball reporters and baseball podcasters and baseball bloggers. And they'll be like, dude, imagine if Babe Ruth faced today's pitching. He would strike out every time. He'd be terrible. Babe Ruth, if you saw a curveball, would cry. Like, 
in my head, I'm like, first of all, shut up. You know how stupid that sounds? Oh, you took someone from the 1910s and brought them into today's world. Would they struggle? Yeah, probably. But also don't be disrespectful because all the people who are really good at baseball today could thank Babe Bruce big ass. They should kiss it. They should kiss Babe Bruce fat ass. So I think for now on, that should be a thing. If you're an icon of any sort, your gravestone, should they should bronze your ass. That's what they should do. Get a bronze indentation of your butt, put it at your gravestone, and people who have benefited from your hard work and your skills and all that stuff, once a year have to make a pilgrimage and kiss your bronzed ass. Because that, that really, there would be no baseball without Babe Ruth. He's the sport's biggest icon. And when same with Michael Jordan, same. So when anyone ever talks trash about these people, you could have your opinions. You could say, oh, the game was easier than and all this kind of stuff. And maybe it was, but it's still an insane thing to do. I hate when people do that. They go, hey, how do you think this guy from 120 years ago would fit in today's society? I, I think before he even went into the stadium, he'd be like, I got some questions about a lot of what I'm seeing right now. You know what I mean? First of all, how'd you do the time travel thing? It's always such an unfair thing. I think if Babe Ruth played in today's era and he was born in 1991, he'd probably dominate. I think people who are icons and dominate their era would learn to dominate any era. They're just special people like that. That's just the way it goes. It's like when people listen to music from back in the day and they go, oh, these songs are so easy to play. I'm like, yeah, because now... At the time, it wasn't like there's an evolution to things. Things evolve. You need someone to do one thing before another thing could happen. Someone heard their song and thought, oh, I really like what they did there. Maybe I'll use inspiration from that and tweak it a little bit. Maybe I'll throw in a, a minor chord right at this part. Maybe I'll do a solo here. Like, you know what I mean? They, that's how that goes. Don't be one of those people. If you're one of those people and you listen to this podcast, stop it. Get help. You know, like there's some things that are fun with comparing eras, but I just don't like it when you're shitting on an icon. I mean, Babe Ruth and this documentary showed you this guy was so dominant. There'd be, there'll never be another athlete who dominated their own era the way Babe Ruth did. Just, it's never going to happen. There'll never be someone quite like that. He was hitting more home runs than entire teams. You want to know something crazy too? I like how honest the documentary got as well. In 1925, Babe Ruth missed two months of the season. And at the time, they were like reporting like stomach pains or some sort of back issue or whatever. Do you know why he missed two months? The documentary strip tells you, and I've, I'd heard this and read about this at different points in my life. He missed two months because he had syphilis. <laughs> the biggest athlete, and not even the biggest athlete, but the most famous person in the world pretty much at that point in general, missed two months of the season because he had syphilis. I don't know why. Makes me laugh. And that's another thing. He had such a hard upbringing. His like dad abandoned him and his mom had all sorts of problems too. Uh, so his family abandoned him. He became like an orphan and he grew up in an orphanage that, by the way, I've never heard. I mean, does anyone know of any orphanages where the story is? Yeah, I grew up in this orphanage. It rocked. The people there were amazing. Oh my God. I, I had such a wonderful upbringing in an orphanage. It was just sunshine and rainbows and oh man, what, what a blast. If I could do it all over again, I wouldn't. Nobody, never. It's always like, I grew up in an orphanage and yeah, that stuff sucks shit. Like, you know, it's... So when Babe Ruth then becomes a guy and also like everyone in his family had died at like 37, he just had it in his mind where it was like, yeah, I'm going to live it the fuck up. People who grow up with nothing and then when they become rich and they live it up, 
I'm not saying it's good to go out and get syphilis and cheat on your wife like he did, but can't really fault him. You know, I, I just don't begrudge that because it's like one of those things where he was generous too. He was always buying drinks for everyone, taking care of everyone, stopping at hospitals, making people feel special. That's why people, the writers at the time didn't write about like the stuff they knew. Of course they knew they didn't want to expose the babe though, because he treated them like they were Kings. He just knew how to make people feel good. He could be cruel at times. They mentioned that they were like, oh, sometimes he'd pull some pranks where it was like, I'd oh, be kind of an ass babe and stuff. Um, but for the most part, it was just a joy to be around. They said this guy was just a larger than life person and just such an iconic figure. Seriously, if you have time, watch the documentary Babe Ruth on HBO Max. It's phenomenal. Don't watch the John Goodman Babe movie, though. It's not a very good flick. Um, John Goodman is a great actor, but that was, I'm sure he wants a redo on that as well. Uh, but no, it was great. Baseball season was awesome. Uh, I mean, baseball weekend was great. Uh, Thursday, I did not go to opening day. I could have. I had several people be like, I got an extra ticket. You sure you don't want to go? I went down there, though. I went down to the ballpark, all decked out in Cubs gear. Got there about 9.30 in the morning. I had friends who were already filling up the bars. And then I was there from about 9.30, like noon or so. Had like three beers or so. Nothing crazy because I had parenting duty. Uh, I had a nice lunch. Got to catch up with a lot of old friends, see some people, talk Cubs, talk baseball. Uh, went home, watched the start of the game on, on the big TV at home, which was great. Then went to go pick up my son, came back, watched because, you know, he's in school. Uh, watched the rest of the game. Right after the game, went to go see my buddies who were in the thing called the Bleacher Bum Band, which is like a band. They're a great band, and they play like songs about the Cubs. And it's just a bunch of Cubs fans partying it out and rocking to them. And it was a lot of fun. They had a raffle. Uh, they raffled off three things. I went two out of the three things because I think I was the last person to buy raffle tickets. So my tickets were kind of like right up top. It's a little fun fact for you guys. If you buy raffle tickets in that situation, try to buy them toward the end because people don't shake up that cup as much as they should shake up that cup. If it's one of those turn things, you know, like like one of those pasta grinder looking things. Uh, yeah, you're that, that's they mix it up better. But I used to do that all the time. I, I used to at bars, I'd win jersey giveaways and stuff like that because I just knew I'm like, I'm gonna buy toward the end, so my tickets are near the top, and you get lucky or you're just awesome like me. It's not a coincidence, not at all. So, uh, yeah, it was just fun. It was a fun night, and then I, I got to that the bars there at like five and stayed out to like 10 30 or so, so not late. Got home by 11, fell asleep right away, got about seven hours of sleep. Ready to be a parent the next day. Wasn't hung over at all. Remember to drink water. It was like some responsible dad partying thing. It was a great day. And I remember, I'm like, this is why, and I remind myself, this is why I like day drinking. Because you could end at a good time. You could pace yourself. You could sustain. And and it's just, yeah, it was fun. We went around to a couple different bars. It was just, it was great. Yeah, I'm still pumped up about it. I'm still pumped up about the whole experience. And I can't wait for actual good weather to show up because it was freezing those days. I'm wearing like a winter coat, basically. It doesn't feel good, you know, because you're, you're thinking to yourself, it should be, should be warm weather time, but it wasn't there yet. What else did I want to mention to you guys? Um, Here's something. Here's something. I went bowling for the first time in a long time. And the first three frames, I was terrible. And I was wearing their bowling shoes, which to be honest, I don't know the advantage to bowling shoes at all. I think it's a scam. I think there's some perv started it where he just wants people sweaty feet wearing other people's shoes and sharing sweat feet. You know, I don't know. It's, I just don't get it. I, I, I eventually was like, screw this. This first of all, the bowling alley, we didn't have a lot of people there. 
Um, the shoes he gave me were triple knotted. So the previous asshole triple knotted his bowling shoes. What a dick. And then, uh, like, seriously, if, if I worked at that place and the guy goes, oh, here's the shoes back and I see a triple knot, I'd be like, what are you, a fucking sociopath? What the double knot was? You know how hard it is to get a triple knot out? Double knots are tricky. You make one mistake and it's done. A triple knot, almost impossible. You know what I mean? I'm bowling. These are I took my sons and I'm there with their aunts and my wife. And it's the first time I've gone bowling in a long time. And the first three frames are terrible. And I'm already getting jokes being like, are you making excuses? I'm like, no, these shoes suck. I feel like I'm wearing my socks because I couldn't tighten them and I'm sliding on them. I switched to my Adidas Classics. Tighten those up. Didn't even need to tighten them that much. Regular tightness, I think. Changed the whole thing. Started getting strikes and spares consistently. It, it felt wonderful, actually. And my sons, it was the first time bowling, and they're very little, five and two. We used the bumpers, and it was very fun to watch them bowl the slowest bowling balls you've ever seen in your life. But uh, there was a joy there. And I remember looking around thinking to myself, you know what? There's not as many bowling alleys as there used to be. Because I grew up where there was a bowling alley about four blocks from my house. That's gone. Uh, there was another bowling alley, like a couple neighborhoods south. That bowling alley's gone. And I started thinking, I'm like, oh, I think I think that was Fireside gone. And I started like thinking about all these different bowling alleys. At one point on the north side of Chicago, in my youth, I feel like there was six to eight bowling alleys. That's a good number. And now there's only one on my part of the city on the northwest side of Chicago. There's another one like in the nearby Burbs, so it's close. You know, it's a suburb that like borders the city. But I remember thinking to myself, like, what happened to bowling? It's it's a good activity when you think about it. And I remember when we would go, we would go bowling um, like right after high school. I remember summer after high school, so we're like 18, and even like freshman year of college, the one bowling I served Miller Lite bottles, so we'd sneak in our own Miller Lite bottles and then just drink them out in the open. And it's a bowling alley. It's not like someone's walking around being like, oh, did you buy that from us? Or can I see an ID? Like, bowling alley. I don't give a shit. Right? And uh, and it was awesome. It was a good, cheap night. Not too expensive. And it's something to do. You're sitting there, you know, it's summer too when it's like hot. You know, you're in the AC. And I thought, like, how did how did it just lose favor? And I was talking to some people. I'm like, ah, I think kids got too into video games. And parents didn't want to take them out of the house. And everything became a chore. And I go, you know what? The, the, I'm going to bring it back. Some things can make a comeback. You know, there's two things I'd like to see make a comeback. Roller rinks and bowling alleys. I think the pendulum's going to swing. I'm not anti-technology. Look, I'm talking to you guys on the fucking internet, on a podcast. This is amazing. I am pro, pro, pro technology. It's great. At bowling alleys, I used to do the score by hand. Now the computer does it. That's a po- That's positive. That's a positive thing. I'm very happy about that. So when I bring up how I want to see more people do outdoors activities or just uh, things where you're not glued to a screen, it's not because I'm against screens. It's I think that we need to come back to a healthier balance. I was talking about that. I went to the Cubs game with Joe Fernandez, comedian who's been on this podcast several times, and we were going back and forth on stories of things that we've come across where we're like, people are just looking to be angry. Uh, Social media has made it where people just like to gang up. It feels like social media right now it's all these people who maybe they're bullied in high school. Maybe they weren't, or they didn't sit at the cool table or whatever reason they had a bad experience. And now they view it as it's my turn. It's my turn to be the asshole. And, but they don't think they're being the asshole. Like they don't, you know, they don't allow people to make mistakes. It's amazing. The number of times I'm scrolling through and I see someone have a tweet that's not even that bad. And the comments are, are you saying this? I brought up this example on the podcast before. It's one of my, it should be like, 
in a museum. It should be something people study. Someone had a tweet where it's like Twitter is a place where you could say, I love pancakes. And someone will reply with, oh, so you hate waffles? Like that's Twitter. And that's become our brains and everything about it. And, you know, like I was talking with some people about someone, a friend of mine said like their aunt was just like, so is everybody gay and trans and bi and all these letters of the alphabet because it's the cool thing to do. And then he had to tell her like, no, these people have always existed. They just live in a world where it's safe for them, for them to come out. Like the, statistically speaking, there was many people, let's just for, for the sake of argument, gay. There's, I think maybe like 8% of the population is gay. I think eight to 10. I can't remember. That's the same percentage it's been forever. You know, there's still this we weird world we live in where people think if you teach children about gay people, that'll make them become gay. Or they think some people are transgender or, or gay, lesbian or whatever to get attention or because it's the thing to do. And it's like, what world, like, in what world would someone be like, I am going to date and have sex with gay men to get attention or because it's the cool in thing to do. You know, for you to have sex with gay men, you have to want to have sex with, you know what I mean? Like this idea that like, nobody told me to be straight. Nobody sent me aside one day and said, Hey, this is what you're going to do. No, it was just in me. It's in your DNA. I've talked about this on the podcast once before. I think I remember we were talking and people were like, I think I said, I remember the first time I like realized I liked women. I was like seven playing T-ball and this kid's mom, I think the kid's name was Henry. Cause I remember being like, Henry, do you, do you need anything? Do you want a juice box? And I just turned around to look at Henry's mom and she had just phenomenal breasts. Uh, and I remember looking at him being like, nice. I didn't say it out loud, but my little seven-year-old brain said the word nice. And I remember being like, I like that, you know? And then Kelly Kapowski came along and after that it was Topanga and, you know, but again, there was no, it's not like, is it's not like Henry's dad came over and was like, Hey, you want, you, you want a sucker? And then I was just like, Oh man, look at that guy's beard. Look at the, look at, Oh man, look at the stubble on that guy. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, Oh dude, like, no, it's, it's you either, it's either in you or it's not. You're born that way. I can't believe I, I still see posts where I have to be like, are you, are you mental? Are there people out there who really think it's a choice? You're born that way. You're born liking what you like. Okay. It's in your DNA. It's a whole thing. God, I can't believe I got to go on that rant still, but like, fuck man, people are getting so stupid out there. It's not, they're getting stupid. It's they're remaining stupid. Um, but then again, I feel bad for them in a sense because it's just, they're getting bad information. It's, it's just, it's a bummer. It's, it's just a weird thing that I still keep seeing. And it's a bother, but I know I like how I went from bowling to talking about society as a whole, but I really do believe a lot of that stems from just being in the world of the internet too much. I remember I was at a, uh, like a breakfast joint, um, a diner, I guess you just called it a diner. You know, it's annoying. I don't know if you guys have this where you live. A lot of the diners around me that used to be open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner are now just breakfast, lunch, like a lot of them. And I'm like, where the fuck do I get French toast from? at 9 p.m. at night, like I like to do on occasion. That's annoying. I don't know why. I'm like, I'm just going to go to Denny's then. I'm not going to support mom and pop diners if they're too lazy to stay open past 4 p.m. How are you not open for dinner? What is what is happening? Anyway, some weird post-COVID thing where I think they're like, well, maybe we should just be breakfast and lunch. And I'm not a fan of it at all. So what I've noticed is um, 
yeah, so I was at this breakfast place. That's what I was trying to say. I'm sorry I got sidetracked there, everybody. And this woman came in to meet her three friends, which is great. Love to see that. But right when she came in, I noticed everything, every topic this woman brought up and a couple of the other people at the table too was something she saw on Facebook. She's like, did you see this on Facebook? Did you see so-and-so's Facebook post? Did you see the article they shared? And I remember being like this, it's like they made it your whole world, you know? And, and I do think, I think there's some, um, this is not to get conspiracy theory weird on you, but I do think there's some manipulation at play. There's a documentary on, on Netflix. I think it's still on Netflix. I talked about it a million times called the social dilemma where it does show you that they do manipulate. They make it so that they're like, Oh, you haven't been on Instagram for five hours. So now we're going to send you a notification saying, Hey, these three people just posted something. Cause they know those are three people that you like to look at their photos. So then they get you back on Instagram. Like they know they play these things. They play these games with you. And I'm almost wondering if it's getting to the point where it's even more severe than we realize, you know, I don't know. I try to get too conspiracy theory weird with it, but there is facts on that thing. So watch the social dilemma. If you have not seen it, as far as bowling goes, here's what I want with bowling and, um, the roller rink roller rinks might be tough because you need a lot of space for those bowling alleys. You do too. And real estate being what it is these days, that's the tough sell of it, but I would reverse engineer it. Meaning you have to do it long-term. If you get into this game where you have to really, I just looked up my arm. So anyone watching on YouTube, got a little bit of sweat pit going on there. A little, little pit stain developing on this shirt. So if you want to get bowling more popular again, if you're someone who's like, I love bowling. It was a passion. And I, it makes me sad that bowling alleys are becoming a thing of the past. Here's what you do. You open up a bowling alley. You try to find an area that's not quite there yet. Up and coming, perhaps. Showing some signs of life. And it has to have kids. It doesn't even have to have kids, but like not a lot. But what you do is whatever the local grade school is in that neighborhood. Every neighborhood mostly has a school nearby. You go to that school and you offer several different days where they get the bowl for free. And maybe you make it so that the shoes aren't free though, right? You get a little money out of them, make a small profit. You don't, or you try not to even make a profit, right? You try to do it like, Hey, if you bowl, kids bowl free every Tuesday from three to five, you know, and there might be some parents out there who are like, great, that's something for us to do. They could bowl. I can answer work emails or whatever. You know, you find a time you do some, you do some investigation of what that area is and what it needs. And you do that. And while that, while their parents are there, that's when you have advertisements for them right? They get to see what else you got going on. And then it makes it where that people like that. And then those kids grow up loving bowling and they remember times with their family. And then as they get older, they keep it going. They start going there when they are in high school, they start going there. And when they're in their early twenties for some drinks, right? You, maybe you're throwing an arcade in there. You just, you got to make it like an event. And what you do is that you get them started young. Um, there's the story of that one, like coffee wasn't big in Japan at all. It was a big tea place. And this guy was like, I can make coffee big there, but you got to give me 12 to 15 years. And now the Japan, Japanese culture is obsessed with coffee. So it has to be something where you have to just play the long game. Um, I thought about all that just today. Cause I remember realizing I had a really fun time bowling yesterday. And now I'm thinking, how do I apply that to other things? How do you make, you know, I've been thinking a, a while about, how to make Chicago comedy as famous as New York and LA. Cause right now Chicago still looked at as third, even though the best talent does come out of the city, New York and LA people even admit that for the most part, maybe New Yorkers won't want to, but huge list of the biggest comedians in the world right now. And the best 
started in Chicago. So I think, how do I do that? How do I change the culture? How do I make it so that people think Chicago, they think stand-up comedy in particular, not improv and second city stuff, but stand-up. And that's really my challenge. And that's when I figure that out, that's going to go on the Patreon because I can't give that information away for free, right? I got someone might steal it and then I and then I lose out on that. I don't want that. All right. You guys are amazing. Um, again, if you like the podcast, share it with people, tell people I'm really going to be amping up my effort more than ever. I am highly motivated right now. At the very least, I need to make enough money to get a new chair, fix my office setup down here because at the end of even these half hour podcasts where it's just me, my back is killing me. I'm like slouched in the chair because the microphone got all weird where if I move it a little bit, the sound cuts out. So I'm dealing with some shit right now. Okay. So I need you guys to spread the word. Um, really appreciate everyone who's been listening and spreading the word already. You guys are amazing. Got some fun stuff coming up. Um, might go back to drinking more on the podcast and uh, doing some guests and some live interactive ones. So be prepared for that. You'll be seeing more of that as we go. You guys are amazing. And as always, thank you for listening to the Joe Kilgallen podcast, AKA Kilgallen's pub. Cheers.